Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. Good evening, everyone. How are you this evening? There's five of you that are good. One that says woo. How are you? Woo. You should try that, like throughout your week. You know, just, you know, when you bump into someone on the street, how you doing? Woo. It only really works with a crowd, doesn't it? But anyway, my, my name is Jay, and uh, I'm really glad to be with you tonight, be continuing this series. And uh, um, I, I, man, I, I have a sense tonight that... Uh, for some of you, something could just shift in your mind that like never shifts back. You know, like, it, it, I don't know how you think about what we do here. Some of you are like, I don't know, I just came. This is my first time. So, but, but I don't know what you think about when we do this. And I have a strange vantage point from where I stand uh, when I get to teach and lead in different environments. Pretty much every time we're together and we look to God, and we ask him to be with us and move among us, there's a few people's lives who change forever. It's not everybody. I, don't, I mean, you're like, I know, I've been here. Uh, but, but not everybody every night, right? But, but in different moments, there's always somebody that God has something in mind for. And I wonder when the last time was that you... You thought that could be you. And she said, God, I really need a new way to think about the life that I have with you, this thing about what it is to be the church. I don't want to just keep going through the motions. I don't want to just keep managing stuff. I want to, I want to grow and change. So I just had a hunch tonight God might get a number of you unstuck in a brand new way. So uh, 720 cracking the code. Uh, Preston, a couple weeks ago, talked about planting seven churches in the next 10 years out of the life of this church. Does anybody think, who thinks that can happen? Sure. That's a lot of it. You guys are pretty inspired there. <laughs> Just like one sure, few hands. I actually think that can happen. And, and part of setting goals and dreaming and praying is to inspire challenge. If you set a goal that like you just think, well, I mean, we could do that next week. Uh, so let's set that in 10 years. And then we won't fail. That's a pretty boring way to live. I think setting a goal uh, for that, I think that's very doable. And that will require a lot of sacrifice, a lot of faith, a lot of courage. Uh, I'm, I'm the two. And, uh, and we read the passage just a moment ago. Did you read the passage? Yeah, okay. I, I want to reread a section of it. And ask us a question together that will form what makes for this too. Here it is, Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And reread just a section of it. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I mean, like, what? What is happening? If any of you have, like, small kids, you've been in this moment. Uh, at least I have been with my kids. They're like, Dad, I'm going to ask you something, and you need to do it. 
That is pretty much code for I'm not going to do whatever you say next. Uh, that's kind of my next thought. And, and this is obviously a trap. It's a setup. Jesus is used to being trapped and set up. But I don't know that he's used to being trapped and set up by the guys that he says are like his closest guys. He's giving his whole life to these 12 men. And so he says, what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't say, okay. He says, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You know, Jesus, we want to be really important. We want to have power. We have authority. We, and you know, here's the truth. James and John are two of the closest people to Jesus. Uh, the truth is, these two guys were two that out of the 12, Jesus would intentionally pull aside and invest in very specifically. So, you know, they're not stupid. They're watching this happen, and they say, I mean, there's only two sides. The other one's Peter, so let's get ahead of this. Let's try to beat Peter out. You know, you're going to have some people that run with you and all your power and your glory. We're not entirely sure what that means, but whatever it is, wherever this is headed, we want to be right there with you. We want to be the most important people. I don't know about you, but I, I think this is a pretty good thing to ask. I hope you have some kind of an aspiration in your heart that, you know, you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You actually want your life to count. I, I mean, have you ever thought, God, I really want to be at the center of what you're doing. I want to be at the close, as close to the center as I can be. I want my life to count. I want the time that I have and the gifts that I have and the energy that I have. I want it to count. I want to be right in the center. And, and so before we're too hard on these guys, I think it's fair to say, yeah, that's a good thing to ask for, to be right in close, to be a part of the whole thing. And this is where Jesus turns it on them in a way he always does. He says this, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm to be baptized with? And they immediately go, we can. <laughs> it's like, you don't even know what you're saying, you morons. Like they, they, they're just like, yes, we can, we can fly in glory through the sky, destroying the enemies of God. We're in. They're not conceiving of what's about to happen. Jesus is going to a cross. He's going to be humiliated and suffer and die. I love, the, I love how honest the scripture is, because then he says, yeah, you're going to drink the cup I'll drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. I love verse 41. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Yeah, I bet. The other 10 guys are like, did you, did you hear what James and John said? No, what did they say? They walked right up to Jesus and said, we want to be the most important. They went, oh, really? Shocking. You know how this be with James and John. Those guys are losers. Like they just think they're so important. They're not that big a deal. And so all this chitter chatter is going on amongst the 12, right? It, don't you just love like that the Bible is this honest? I mean, have you ever been around someone that thinks they're really important? No? 
If you haven't, that's a very bad sign for you. <laughs> because it means it's you. That's what it means. It means everyone's saying that about you. Right? <laughs> I, I really hope you have for your sake. Anyway, but, but these guys are representing this. And they're like, we, those guys. Jesus is like, all right, we got to settle this. He calls them together and says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And he starts to flip the equation. In this picture, as he refers to a cup, Jesus is referring to different scriptures in the Old Testament and then that show up in the New Testament where often the way that the kingdom of God is described is as a banquet table, a table of power and authority. And the question is, who gets to sit where? You know, who will be at the head of the table? Who will be at the foot of the table? And Jesus takes their question of right and left, and he puts it in terms of like a cup that will be drank within a celebration. Little references, you know, like, Psalm 23, right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And my cup, it overflows. The Song of Songs describes banquet tables. Jesus' parables refer to parties and banquet tables with mass, masters and guests. And uh, John 13 is Jesus at a table the, the, the entire Old Testament can be sort of structured around feasts and food. For real, that celebrate the story of God with his people. So these are pictures that are running through the Bible. And when John and James talk about power, he refers to this sort of table and what it'll be like and where people may or may not sit. And that's not up to me. And this image of a table is an interesting image. I think it's an important image for us to think about, about what it means to be the family of God, what it means to be the church. Who sits where and how does it work when we come together as a family? Like we are now, we're gathered together. Who sits where and how does it work? What's, what is at the table and what are we doing and how are we a part of that? Uh, the scriptures will even talk about hunger and thirst as being a critical attribute of how we understand spiritual life. You know, to feast on God, to be thirsty for him. So these images are just running all through the scriptures and uh, really can help solidify a number of things for us if we, if we frame it up. Um, one time I was thinking about this and praying about it, and I was down uh, at a conference with some friends in Texas, and a mutual friend in Texas, this is in the summer in Texas, and a mutual friend says, hey, you know what we do is, um, in, in our town, one of the big things is this big flea market we can go to, it, and I went, okay, you know, and we went to this flea market, and it was like a million degrees outside. I assumed since it's a million degrees, humans won't be outside, but I'm in Texas. So it's like a million degrees and we're outside this outdoor flea market and they have one of these outdoor food courts. You ever seen one of these? Right? Yeah, you have. It makes you sad. You're laughing immediately because it's like, why can't we put things where it's cool? And, and so... So anyway, we're, we're at this outdoor flea market in an out, in, and we're in the outdoor food court. 
And we go over and they're like, you know, you should try this fried chicken. This fried chicken place is great. Great. So we're eating fried chicken at this picnic table. And I'll never forget this. This woman walks over and she goes, would you like to try a sample? I said, well, what's it, what's it a sample of? She goes, fried chicken. And I went, well, like, which fried chicken? She goes, well, this from this place right over here. And she points where I just got my fried chicken that I'm eating. And I said, so the fried chicken, like, like from the, I have, I already have the, I already have the fried chicken. And she went, so would you like a sample? <laughs> went, no, I, I mean, I have a, like a lot of sample. I have a whole sample of my own. And like, and she just looks at me kind of dumbfounded, like, well, I just offered you something. I mean, whatever. And she went to the next table over, which I also saw eating fried chicken. I got to watch a similar experience. And I'm telling you, as that moment ended, I felt really clearly, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. Crystal clear. Boom. Said, this is what is happening in the church of Jesus Christ. Is we're offering samples to the people that are already initiated. You know, we're like, we're like kind of selling to the people that have already been sold. When the reason why she's there is because like there was at least some kind of shade in this little pavilion where we were eating and she didn't want to go the extra 10 feet out in the hot sun. You know, right? I don't want to be out there. Like there's a way for me to be here and I got to get rid of these samples. I mean, I could just see the whole thing, right? Like it's my job to get rid of like one thing of these every half hour or whatever. So like here, just to eat it. I don't want to go in the sun. And then, and that so often this is what it is to be the church is we're already, we're initiating the already initiated when there's people all around us that are desperate for some kind of a taste of who God is and what life with him is like. Tonight, I want to suggest to you what I think makes for a healthy church. If we think about this table that a healthy church is in thirds, it fits uh, much of the vision of what we're talking about, that a third of a church is designated for guests, for those that are being invited in by some kind of a sample of what they've experienced of God, and they say, I'd like to come and have some more. If you're here tonight and you're not sure what you think about Jesus, somebody talked you into being here, you're, they promised you dinner or whatever after this, or you heard there was amazing coffee, which there is. Uh, and you're like, okay, I'll go. Um, I just, I really hope and pray that you feel welcome tonight. That you feel as though you've been welcomed into a home. And a healthy church, I think, is at least a third people who are investigating and wondering and asking questions. And the reason why I think that's just clear reading the scriptures is because that was the ministry of Jesus. Jesus shows up and starts engaging people that the religious people had forgotten about or relegated or distanced from. When people have not read the New Testament and they go to read the New Testament for the first time, they're usually stunned by how hyper-focused the New Testament is on the interaction of Jesus with religious people and how caustic it is. But the people that he's arguing with 
are not people way out there, but people that are really close in. And the people that are being drawn to Jesus aren't people that are already sort of predisposed to thinking about God, but people that are really, really far away. And page after page after page in the New Testament demonstrates that the ministry of Jesus is to bring people into a different kind of life with God. I mean, Luke 15, he just tells story after story saying, I'm for those who are far away and you guys aren't. And that's why you're going to kill me. And that is why they killed him. He ate with the wrong people and he did not pander to the right crowd. So a healthy church, if we, want, if we believe we're the body of Jesus, if we're actually doing the ministry of Jesus, we're creating contexts where people who don't know what they think about life with God are welcome and invite them, invited. But they don't set up the whole of the table, do they? We still have a family meal. And they're invited to the meal. And I would argue that another third should be people that are coming into life with Jesus or have crashed into life with Jesus, what we commonly might call new believers, people that were guests that suddenly said, you know, I'm joining this family. I'm becoming someone who is going to follow Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Now, if you're listening to what I'm saying, that's two thirds I just described of a healthy church. Is you're watching transition and movement of people that are investigating and their guests, and that could be many people at night, and I hope it is, and people then that are coming into life with Jesus, but there's another third. And the other third is simply this, people who we would call mature believers, people who are developing in their life with Jesus in a way that they're experiencing maturity. They are growing in their life with God. And, uh, you know, I wonder as I say that where you think you fit. I say there's guests, people aren't sure what they think about any of this, they're just trying to think about it. There's new believers, people have said yes to Jesus and they're still just trying to figure this out, how's all this work, but I'm, I'm agreeing, yeah, I wanna be a part of this. And then there's mature believers. I wonder, are you just doing a little mental poll? Which one are you? Thinking about it? I mean, when I think about a table and what it makes for a mature believer, like what kind of, way would I represent that? And more importantly, um, how have people in this thing called the church generally demonstrated maturity in my years of following Jesus? I, I've been a pastor now, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm right at 20 years doing pastoral ministry. I wasn't raised in church. And so I had to figure out so many things about church, like, right, like, I don't know what is going on in here. People talk about blood a lot. It's really creepy. Anyway, I, I just, you know, you know what I mean? It's just like all this stuff. I didn't know there's karaoke and there's just so much going on. I could, it just took, it's, it took me a long time. Like, I don't know why we're doing this the way we're doing it. And so there's so many things I couldn't quite get my head around. Um, and this would, I, I, I'm being entirely honest with you, what I'm about to share with you was probably the most disorienting thing for me of all the rest, because you can kind of figure out how the words work. But to, to see people that were raised in church, they consider themselves mature believers, and yet they behaved in ways that I found very peculiar. Like really peculiar. Like you've been doing this a long time. And you consider yourself a mature believer. And so what chair at the table would best demonstrate a mature believer? Um, I had this built. Uh, for me. This would be the chair I think that I've seen that demonstrates a mature believer most is this one right here. 
This is, um, and, and what, what I've noticed over the years of people in church is there's lots of people love for mommy is what that says. <laughs> there's lots of people who have considered themselves mature in faith, and this is what they sound like. Feed me. <laughs> Feed me, pastor. Feed me, worship leader. I want to go deep. Give me the Greek. <laughs> I'm not even going to reach for the food. You have to put it right in my mouth. Just put Feed me. I'm not being fed. Why am I not being fed? Why are you not meeting my needs? What? You see, you see, Pastor, I've been in church a long time, so I know like what a youth ministry should be like. Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you providing the right Bible study? Why are you not? demonstrating like the right men's ministry or women's ministry. Why aren't you meeting the needs I have for the kind of prayer group that I know that I need? Feed me. Feed me. Have I started to look ridiculous to any of you yet? Does this look silly yet? Some of you, some of you right now are like, please get out of, get out of the chair, Jay. <laughs> I need you to get, I'm not, I can't do this if you don't get out of the chair. In all the years of ministry, I mean, I've been doing this 20 years, I am stunned at the amount of people that this is their posture with the family at the table of God. Right here. Do you know right now, this second, there are people going up and down the Amazon River, this second, that have fragments of the New Testament, like pieces of the Gospels. And they are preaching the Gospel, and they are healing the sick, and they are casting out demons, they are raising the dead, and they are planting churches. With a chunk, a little like fragment of the Bible. You don't need like a lot more Bible. Do you know right now, just on your little devices, you have like every translation of the Bible you could ever imagine. Like all kinds of crazy, I mean, have you seen how many crazy Bibles are out there? You, there's Bibles for everything. Bibles for moms, Bible for young moms, Bibles for dads, Bible for soldiers, Bible for engineers. In every translation you can imagine, you have plenty of Bible. And this, right, um, what I'm about to say right now, is actually pastoral suicide. Here's the real truth. The best preaching you could ever want is available to you online right now. You don't have to go to church ever again if you don't want to. That was I mean, don't check. But I, I'm just... <laughs> you don't want to look. I'm just saying. I've heard. <laughs> that it's out there. 
Like, do you really think that you're three good sermons away from your life changing? Do you think you're like one interesting nuance of intellectual information that will shift the entire way you live? Do you really think that's where you're at? Do you really think you need another thing for someone to provide for you? To become who you were intended to be in Christ? Do you really? Do you really? Any doctor, any doctor who would talk to you about what it means to be healthy. How do you become a healthy person? They would tell you that it's not just diet. It's not just what you eat. It's not just what you consume. And so many people that are in church are like connoisseurs of like all of the different kinds of meals and church experiences you can have. But any doctor would tell you it's not just what you eat. What is it? What, what makes for a healthy life? It's diet and exercise. I, I'm, I'm going to make some of you happy. I am getting out of the chair. I can't, I can't do it anymore. You, 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 you get out of the chair. You step away from the chair. And how do you know who are the mature people at the meal? They're serving they're hosting. They create an environment for all the rest of the people at the table. This looks ridiculous. And here's the truth. I mean, this is where spiritual maturity is different than other maturity. You can be 20 years old in your faith in Christ and 20 years in the church and 20 years since you gave your life to Christ, and actually be two years old in maturity because you've lived the same two years for 20 years. And what makes you grow up in your life with Christ is you serve and you sacrifice and you realize that your life is not your own, that what you've been given is for other people. And that the words of Jesus are true. That if you seek to find your life, you'll lose it. If you seek to consume and complain and demand, you will not live a very interesting life. But if you lose your life, you can find it. Hosts prepare the table. And they serve and they give their life away because they know that's the secret to overcoming consumerism. John 13 at the table when they're arguing who will be the greatest. What does Jesus do? He stands up from the table. He strips himself naked in front of them. He wraps a towel around himself. He says he began to wash their feet. He says, if you want. If you want a real life in me, you guys will do the same for one another. That's what he says. Healthy disciples choose to serve. That hosts think about others. And they also sacrifice. 
I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever been to someone's house and they try to charge you for like the meal. Have you ever had that? I hope you haven't. You know, like, hey, come on over, have some food. They cook everything. And they go, well, I think the chicken was around four fifty. I don't know. That's right. I got Venmo. You're like, I did not see this coming. This is really, really weird, right? I mean, that's really strange. Have you ever had a friend who never has their wallet? It's like really strange all the time. You're like, man, I don't know. Guess you're buying. I've had friends like that. And I just prepare. It's like, that's cool. If I want to go out with you, I guess I'm paying. That's the way it is. But if you move from being a consumer To like a mature believer, you don't just serve, you sacrifice, you pay the bill. I am, I mean, listen to me. My mind is blown that people can be in church and be a part of everything we do and they never give. It's mind boggling. Like I'll come and enjoy whatever there is, but I will never be a part of paying the bill. Mind boggling to me. Like, there's nowhere else in the world that we are like, yeah, that's cool. Like, there's no gym that's just like, yeah, just work out. I don't know. Pay, don't pay. We'll see how it turns out. Like, they're dead. How in the world do we think, listen, when you go from being a guest to being a part of the family, you do chores and you pay bills. And listen to me. If you want to be a guest perpetually forever, feel free. I'm serious. I mean this. If you just say, I don't know, I'm just a guest. Be a guest. But man, there are benefits. There is depth. There is growth in joining a family that you will never experience as a guest. You'll never feel what it's like to rub up against people and have your rough edges worn off and learn what it is to sacrifice and serve and truly love because love requires commitment and commitment is demonstrated in giving your life away. This church runs because of the great service and sacrifice of so many. So many in this room. I look around. I'm just in awe. I'm honored by how many give their life to be a part of what God is doing in this church and in this city. And there's some of you just go, I don't know. I don't feel like connected in the church. I don't know how to be connect. How do I connect? And I feel it isn't just going to be hanging out with enough people. It's that you join by saying, I will serve and I will sacrifice. And that I begin to turn my attention from just being a consumer who is a guest. And I like being a guest. Don't you like being a guest when you go to someone's house and it's like a nice meal? You're like, ooh, this is nice. I do nothing. I would like, I would like another steak. Thank you. Right? Like you just, it's great. But like to just be a guest, it gets weird. There's something powerful about becoming a host and you begin to think about who's there. You begin to notice other people and you begin to give your life accordingly. The two in the 720 is the idea that we're going to reach out towards someone who doesn't have any kind of life with God. We're going to serve them as they're coming into life with Jesus. And then we're also going to reach towards somebody who, well, maybe has life with God and we're going to intentionally disciple and grow with them in relationship, in connection, in serving, in sacrificing, in giving our life away. This is what makes for a healthy church. I mean, I like preaching. I love worship. I mean, great worship tonight. But if you just consume, you just get fat. And it gets weird. <laughs> right? If all you do is eat, 
and consume, you get weird. You get fat. And, that, and there's a lot of people that in every spiritual sense are just fat. They've lost context of what it is to truly grow, to give their life away. To end the passage of Mark 10, Jesus says, you don't even know what you're saying. You're going to have to die. And they're like, we'll do it. You don't know. You don't even know what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. And he says, listen, everybody else has authority in a different way where they, they exercise control and they demonstrate how powerful they are, how interesting they are. He says, that's not true with you if you're going to follow me. You're going to have to be like me. And listen how it ends. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, this is the way through. This is how you grow. Give your life away and watch what I'll do because we serve a God that raises the dead. And if you let things die in you and you give your life away, your own self-interest, your own self-need, your own consumerism, he'll raise you into a new kind of life. Can you hear the people that you're to serve? Do you hear their voices? Do you see where they're at? See, because these people tend to be the loudest at the table. They're the loudest at the table. And we have to stop listening to the people that complain and listen for those that we don't even quite yet hear their voice. We have to move away from offering samples just to the people that are sitting already at the table eating what we eat and reach towards those who have not yet tasted and seen that the Lord is good. My voicemail as a pastor is filled with all kinds of things people are upset about. You know, he didn't do this, didn't do that. The diapers weren't the right size in the room for my kid and the thing. And why haven't you? And have you ever, you probably haven't read this book. And so can, can let me help you with your sermon for a second? <laughs> Thank you. You know, this is so helpful. But, you know, I never have on my voicemail, hey, Jay, listen, I live down the street from your church. I have no idea what life with God would be like. You know, I'm married. I have a small kid. But, you know, our marriage is hard. I don't know how what we're, I'm doing as a dad. I'm carving my way through his career, but mostly I'm exhausted. I've never really been in church, but I bet, I bet if you could create some kind of environment where I would be welcome and people would pay attention and they would, take their time with me and they'd pray for me and they'd serve me and talk to me about who Jesus is, I'd probably find new life in Jesus and it would probably change my life and my marriage and my kids' lives. So if there's any way you could help me, just call me back. I never get that voicemail. And I have to ignore the diaper voicemails, quite literally, to listen for people that aren't even speaking yet. Can you hear their voice? Can you hear what people need around you? Have you chosen to get up from the table and take a sample out? And when you show up at the table, serve. If you want to have a really interesting life with Jesus, assume that every room you walk into is a room you were sent to serve. And everything will turn. You'll enjoy rooms differently and you'll live a much more full life. For some of you tonight could be a moment that you make a decision with God 
that my life is to serve and to give my life away. Why don't we stand together? So as we finish, Preston, you want to come help me? I like, I like your help. I think it's important for you to thinking about, too, that each person who's a committed a part of this church is saying, I'm reaching towards somebody that's moving into life with God. I'm helping people, one person. I'm serving with my gifts. And so we'll do some things to respond to God. Um, we'll receive the elements of communion together. We'll close with a song or two of worship. And we'll pray for one another. And there's some of you that need to say, you know, tonight I choose to move from a guest to what I would say would be a host. You know, I want to, I don't want to just be here wondering, like, what, what are you going to do for me? I want to give my life away. I want my gifts to count. I want to serve. I want to connect and give my life away for others, even in this space and those who have never even been in a space like this. There might even be some tonight that you just say, tonight's my night to say yes to Jesus. I want to join something bigger than myself. I'm just going to do it tonight. Like, why not? I'm, you know, and we'd love to pray for you and talk to you about what that means. There's some of you that you have gifts. And you've been a leader in a church or a ministry, maybe even in this church, and you just know God's saying, and maybe you've just taken a break. You just sort of faded the background. People get tired, they get hurt, they get burned by stuff. And tonight might be a night you just say, you know what, I'm back in. Put me in, coach. And I want to I play. I want to be a part of what God is doing in this church and in this city. We'd love to pray for you. So if that's true for you, could you make your way out of your chairs? And we'd love to pray for you right now. Any of those things. Step out of your chairs now, and we'll pray for you. There's others that, like, you realize, I'm just tired. I am serving. There are so many people who just serve like crazy. We'd want to pray that God would fill you and empower you afresh in the things that God's asked you to do. It can get tired, but you need to be refilled and renewed by the Holy Spirit. So we'd love to pray for that. So do you want to add anything? I would just say that uh, the, the fastest way to grow and say, what's the growth plan? And what's the plan? Is giving your life away. I think that that was crystal clear. The fastest way to grow is giving your life away. So what I would add is if you say, I want growth, and I'm scared to give my life away. And you've wanted growth by way of small group. You wanted growth by way of different programs. But you're, you're seeing the scriptures actually say, you grow best when your whole life is about someone else. That's what the two is about. You're focused on other people. I want to make space for you, so will you move to the side? Cool. Prayer team, go ahead and find someone to pray for. And Annabeth, please lead us in worship. Please take uh, the, the elements of communion. When you take the elements, remember, you're taking the elements of the person who said, I will not live even a fraction of a second.